we come before you and we are ministered at the fact encouraged at the fact that trials may buffet Lord let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate praise the Lord you are tender to the brokenhearted. A bent reed you will not break off. You see every tear. You put them in a bottle. And Father, in your Son, we still have reason to be joyful. You are a good and gracious God. And so, Lord, I pray that this word would be your word would be healing, challenging, encouraging, convicting. Spirit, do your supernatural work, what you do with the word. Lord, we pray, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought we would take an excursion to Matthew chapter 13, often entitled The Parable of the Four Soils. The title of this sermon is called Faithfully Spreading the Gospel. That's what it's about. It's about the sower sowing seeds. I have an old friend. His name is Dan Arcilla. He's a um, youth pastor at uh, our sending church. And uh, he has been taking old VHS videos and converting them over to digital format and putting them in YouTube. So when you watch these videos, you start to see all these lines. Uh, it's very, very low res, hard to understand, hard to see. But in that, he has many videos of this volleyball outreach. And as I was watching, I, I, was, I was experiencing lots of laughter and joy as I saw ourselves and I saw old brothers and sisters, well, in their younger years, still serving the Lord. And I, we laughed at how young we looked. It's got to be over 20 years. And then, uh, then it started to become mixed with sadness because I saw many there who professed Christ and then walked away. And so there I was in this state of just utter joy and mixed with utter sadness at the same time, watching these videos. The word bittersweet is too tame a word to say that's what I was experiencing. Bittersweet doesn't really capture it. It's more... Extreme joy mixed with extreme sadness. I'm asking these questions. Why did he turn away? Why did he chase the world? Why did he chase that relationship? Or why did he chase that career over Christ? Or how about this guy? This guy always played volleyball. He loved to play volleyball, but why... Even after he's heard the gospel every single game, why didn't he respond? Or why did she who professed Christ and serve in ministry so many years 
walk away. These are the questions that were lingering as I watched these low-res videos on YouTube. When confronted with the claims of Christ and the demands of the gospel, some respond in genuine faith. Many others, however, either reject him immediately or later. When they do not get what they think they will from Jesus. Sadly, there are many who give a false profession of faith and then it shows up later. This gives ripple effects to evangelism. Many, many Christians oftentimes are then encouraged or unenthusiastic of giving the gospel anymore. But Christ himself, brothers and sisters, he has given direction in this. He has given us light in this. He is also the one who grants true salvation and faithfulness in the gospel. He is the one who grants courage to give the gospel, and he is the one who grants true fruitfulness in the gospel. Christ explains all of man's responses to the gospel in the parable of the four soils. Every single response that a person can have to the gospel is in the four soils. Notice he says in uh, Matthew 13, I'll just read it in part. I'm going to read it in sections, and we're going to skip over 10 through 17, okay? That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea and a large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat, sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen... They were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Verse 18, Jesus explains the parable. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the one who hears the word and he immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown <coughs> among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some hundred, some sixty, some thirty. God's word is given to you this morning so that you will faithfully spread the gospel no matter what people say or do. God's word is given to you this morning so that you would faithfully spread the gospel no matter what people say 
or do. To faithfully spread the gospel no matter what people say or do, the text gives you three important insights. Three important insights to evangelism, which we should all be at the business of going to work at. And much of this has been lifted from a commentary um, to help me kind of organize my thoughts. So I want to say that from the get-go. But number one, sow the seed of the gospel to all. Sow the seed of the gospel to all. When I say that that God is given this, this passage so you would faithfully spread the gospel no matter what people say or do, your mindset has to be, I'm going to spread it to every single person that I could possibly spread it to. I can't have a tunnel vision and just say, only these people are the folks I share the gospel with. Everyone who I come in contact in my life, I have to spread the gospel. You have to have this vision, brothers and sisters, and this mindset that you will be spreading the gospel to all. That is to as many people in your circle of influence as you can. You need to spread and you need to sow the seed of God frequently, widely, and well. Verse 1 says that day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. It's interesting. This is Jesus. He's talking about the kingdom and he's giving descriptions of the kingdom by parable. That day is the same day, which is interesting in verse chapter 12 uh, and verse 46. uh, Excuse me, in verse uh, 48 of chapter 12 is the same day when he says, Jesus answered the one who was telling him, who is my mother and my brother and my, who are my mother and who are my brothers that's stretching out his hand towards his disciples. He said, behold my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. And so what God is saying, what Christ is saying is, in this new kingdom and the kingdom, the spiritual kingdom is where Christ rules. And it is visibly seen in the local church. And what God is saying, what Christ is saying is, that your true family, your true blood-bought family are not the ones necessarily in your own blood family. It is now a new qualification. Your true family are those who do the will of God. Those who have been saved by the gospel of Christ. And so when I say my brother or my sister, I say it very, very carefully. I don't say it loosely with other people as a kind of colloquialism or a kind of a Uh, language. My brother is very different. My sister is very different. Why? Because Christ himself said it. He defines it that there are now new relationships. These are real kingdom relationships. And your real kingdom relationships, brothers and sisters, are those who trust and continue in the faith in Christ. Then, in that same day, Jesus himself tells you about fake kingdom relationships. Notice in chapter 13, 24 to 30, we have the parable of the tares and of the wheat. That is that God himself allows tares to be in the local church. Some who are not real and some who are real in faith in Christ. And so Christ explains how this comes to be with the four soils. How does this come to be? Verse 2, 
Large crowds gathered to him, so he got into a boat, sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. It's quite interesting. He sits down, and the crowd stands up. It's really kind of opposite of how we're doing it right now, right? He probably was sitting in the boat because they were crowding him. They all wanted to get near him. So he gets in the boat and stays apart. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow as he sowed. The word parable is, is uh, alongside. It is the story that is taught alongside. So when we think about what a parable is, it is a readily known metaphor that the audience would know and that there is a spiritual lesson within alongside that lesson, that parable, that story. It is to give understanding to those who would reach out in faith. The sower, uh, he says here, hear them the parable of the sower. We know in the parable of the tares and wheat, who is the sower? Verse 37, he says in verse 37, and the one who sows the good seed is the son of man, and the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. Christ indeed is the ultimate and exemplary sower. But by application, brothers and sisters, truly any Christian who is in the business of outreach and evangelism, which should be all Christians, every Christian, should be occupied with this holy task of outreach and evangelism. Outreach is making connections to ultimately give the gospel. Evangelism is actually giving the gospel. He says in verse 18, uh, I'm going to be jumping from the top to the bottom, to the top to the bottom, because there's the description and then the explanation that Christ himself gives. In verse 18, he says, Here then the parable of the sower. And what is that seed? He says in verse 19, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, that's the seed, the word of the kingdom. In Luke chapter 8, verse 11, it's called the word of God. So as you sow, you're giving the word of God, of which, brothers and sisters, we have an eternal, eternal supply. Specifically, it is the word of God in relation to entry into the kingdom. It is a pure and undiluted gospel. It is a simple gospel message. It is that God himself made us all and we are terribly and desperately wicked in our sin and we have chased our own devices. We have chased our own gods. We have made our own gods and God himself gives us his son. Christ came down, put on flesh, lived a holy life, died a gory death for us, was resurrected and ascended. And the Bible says if we have faith in Christ and we repent of our sins... We will be saved. That is the pure and undiluted gospel. And even right now as you hear this, you too can be saved. So what, what Jesus is saying is you shouldn't live your life in a, in, a compartment, in a compartment kind of way. Not live your life like a TV dinner or cafeteria tray where the food doesn't touch each other. 
I got my school here, I got my job here, I got my homeschool co-op here, I got my sports teams here, I got my coffee shop here, I got my Christian life here, I got my church life here, way over here, I got my home fellowship group way over here, child of God, you are a Christian before anything, all of it must be permeated with the smell and the aroma of Christ, every aspect of your life, so seeds everywhere, brothers and sisters. At the workplace, at school, at the sports teams, at your hobbies, at the co-op, at the beach, at the, at the coffee shop, at the doctor's office, at the dentist, at the food truck, at the donut shop. So widely, so well, so frequently. You have an endless supply of seeds. Brothers and sisters, you only fail when you don't do it. Remember this, the results are God's. Christian, if you love yourself and what people think of you too much, rather than loving Christ, you will not do this. One test of your love for him and reveling in his glory is the spread of that glory. Christian, your delays are tiresome. You keep saying to yourself, sometimes you may be saying to yourself, Next time, I'll invite him or her. Next time, I'll share the gospel. Next time, next time, next time, next time, next time, next time. Next time, I'll share the gospel. Next time, I'll do this. Your life is now next time. Here's what Jesus would say. Look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4. This is what Jesus would say in John chapter 4. He gives us the desire. He gives us the hope. You have the message of life. Notice, this is what Jesus would say to you, okay? Jesus, next time I'll share the gospel. Next time I'll try and reach out or I'll text that one person. The one person you should have been texting to get him there. In John chapter 4, verse 35, he says, verse 35, he says, do you not say there are yet four months and then comes harvest? Yet there are four months and then comes harvest? Jesus is saying, stop making excuses. Too many excuses. You keep saying four months. Four months. That's not me, you would say. Uh, you know, I'm not an evangelist. Well, the Bible says, are you not a new creation? Right? Or I'm too busy. Are you too busy in your own mission to do the master's mission? Then he says, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They are white for harvest. Jesus says, they are ready now and you're missing out. Already who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for his life eternal. So that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. You keep saying later and you are missing the joy of being in direct gospel work, brothers and sisters. Oh, I invite you by the power of Christ. Know this labor. There is no joy sweeter than knowing Christ himself. That's the only thing even sweeter. But to have be a direct part of having someone come to know Christ. Or even have to be in that be right in there so that they could come to know him better, to trust in him more, to trust in his sufficiency, to trust in his goodness and his kindness and his promises. There is no joy sweeter. Oh, there is a joy. Notice what the text says. He says that he who reaps may rejoice together. 
Now we go back. Back to Matthew chapter 13. About these soils. And I think before we move on, it would be good for us to think, how do I sow... What are some good questions to ask myself if I want to sow the seed of the gospel to all, that my target be all? Here's a question. When was the last time you gave the complete gospel? If it's been months and months, there's something wrong, brothers and sisters. If it's been months and months, there's something wrong. When was the last time you invited someone to church, to HFG, you know, what, what I do is like, I, I will ignore this part of my life if I don't just set time for it. So by God's grace, I just portion out a part of my time. This is my invitation time where all my invitations go out. I just keep inviting folks, keep sending folks. You know why? Because I keep spreading seeds. Now, um, I like Asian vegetables, you know. And, uh, my wife and I, we're, we put a little, we put some bok choy. Do you know what bok choy is? It's a greeny leafy because uh, we're ready for some soups in the wintertime, and I like that Asian vegetables in there. So we put a lot in the greenhouse, but, you know, I had all this extra seeds, and I go, what am I going to do with these extra? I just started throwing it. Yeah, yeah, go for it, right? And I just started throwing it. Why? Because I know that some are going to be taken, and some of them are not going to make it. But you know what? By God's grace, there will be some that will take. But I'll never know if they will take unless I plant. If I left it in the box, they will never take. You understand? You'll never know until you plant, brothers and sisters. Sow it widely and well. Now it comes to the second portion, which is really the main portion. So number one, sow the seed of the gospel to all. Number two, expect the responses to the gospel to be mixed. This is an expectation you need to have. If you don't know that this reception of the gospel, a reaction to the gospel is going to be mixed, you're going to get thrown off. And a lot, oftentimes, I, I remember it was for me when I was a young Christian, I didn't understand this because I was saved and I saw the glory of Christ and I thought it was so fantastic and wonderful. And I, I thought all I have to do is tell people and every single person I tell, they're going to get saved, right? Because Christ is so fantastic and I was rudely awakened to understand that some people did not want to hear about Christ. And sometimes you might even be sitting there thinking, you know, I don't want to give the gospel because, you know what, it doesn't seem to work. It doesn't seem to work. And then that's what you might be thinking this morning. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, every time, every time you cast out seed... The gospel is always working. It always works. Can I tell you that? There's always 100% an effect. Every single time. But it's not the effects that you may think. You think that the gospel only takes effect when it's a positive reception of Christ. That's not true. 
Christ is saying that the gospel always has its effect, but that there will be mixed responses. And you, as a growing Christian, ought to, you've got to understand that. Or else you're going to be thrown off. I don't know why this person is not receiving Christ. I don't know why this person is not receiving rebuke. You have to understand this. Jesus now is taking over as he is. He's in control of all things. But he is instructing you about what happens during evangelism. Number one. I'll separate it into two main reactions. The first one is of unbelief. The second one is of belief. So, under unbelief, there are three responses of unbelief. And Jesus himself is telling you there will be these three responses. And the first one is immediate, hard-hearted rejection. That's the first one. Immediate, hard-hearted rejection. And that's the seeds that fall on the road. So what's happening is in verse 14, 4b, it says, Some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Verse 19 says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. And so what happens is in these agricultural fields, there's these pathways that go between fields and pathways that go into uh, the road. And we, we, very often when we were uh, in Southeast Asia, we would see that there's these hardened pathways that nothing can grow in those pathways because they're so walked and so compacted that the seed cannot penetrate. Jesus uh, explains it as someone who hears the word of God, hears the word of the kingdom, hears the gospel and does not understand. This person is hard-hearted, Indifferent to the things of God, indifferent to the things of Christ, the Bible. The gospel doesn't go into his mind or his heart. He thinks it's foolish. He is utterly insensitive to God. In his heart, he has no guilt or no shame and is thus vulnerable to Satan. He never had a conviction of, of sin or any true desire to be holy or righteous. The Bible says, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that he might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And this person who outrightly rejects the gospel is open to attack, open to attack from Satan, it says, who snatches away what has been sown. Satan often uses false teachers or peers or the thought is, I'm not that bad. I can do this on my own. Or prejudice or procrastination. Here's another one. Someone who says, uh, you know, I will decide for Christ much later in life. I want to sin all this life. And then look, afterwards, I want to accept Christ. Or their love of sin. So Christ says, when we share the gospel, please understand, you will have immediate hard-hearted rejection that is the seed that falls on the road. Secondly, you may have this when you share the gospel, when you give the gospel. This is temporary emotional acceptance. Okay? Temporary emotional acceptance. This is not real faith in Christ. It is superficial. In verse 5b, he says, Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. 
But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And so what he's saying is these rocky places, it's not that there are rocks in the soil. It's more that there is soil and then there's this big bedrock of rock underneath. So what happens is that the, there is, it's the same exact soil as the soil that is good, but it's just on top of the rock. And so when the, when the plant starts to grow, it springs up immediately, but it can't penetrate its roots in the rock, and then it withers and dies. And Jesus uses this as a metaphor. The one in whom, his, verse 20 says, the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, and now he gives its explanation. This is the man who hears the word, they receive it, and he says, and immediately receives it with joy. It's interesting. There is this emotional response. In fact, this is a person who has no resistance to the gospel. The gospel comes. Accepts it immediately. Gives a, a, a great emotional response. Oftentimes this is seen as crying profusely. You see, we have to be careful as, as, the, as a church when we redefine what salvation is. Many churches would start to say, well, see, they're crying, they're saved. You see? Oh, they have an emotional response, they're saved. That's naive, that's unbiblical, that's immature. Look at the text. Christ is telling us, he's warning us. Just because you have an emotional experience, just because you have some spiritual experience, and you cry and you weep, the Bible says, that does not mean you are saved. And so he says here, this is oftentimes in, in, in churches, and sadly, this is encouraged by folks who don't give the full gospel. They give the blessings of salvation, but not what it costs. It costs your life. It costs Christ's life, you understand. They give the gospel and Christianity, which is free. The gospel is absolutely free, but they don't, they don't ever give what discipleship means. It's absolutely free, but, they, but, but he is yours. He is your Lord. And sadly, many, many folks, this is what happens, okay? Many who have received that kind of a gospel, a gospel of, of faith, a gospel of happiness and joy without a gospel of following and repentance from their sin and of repentance from the world and following Christ, this split Christ, this Christ who is, Lord, who is Savior but not my Lord. They think they're saved and they go through their whole life without ever being challenged with the real gospel. And that's very dangerous. And Christ says, no, when you give the real gospel, you have to tell them like it is. What does Christ say? He whoever wishes to follow me, deny himself and what? Pick up his cross and follow me. That is the way of Christ. The heart that not only says, I thank you as my Savior, but the heart that says, I will do whatever you want, Christ. That is salvation. Now, this person sadly embraces a superficial gospel, embraces church, embraces pastors, embraces leaders, is on an emotional high, talks to everyone will be at every church meeting and fellowship group. They spring up with joy. 
And yet verse 21 says, He has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises, because of the word, immediately he falls away. They're only temporary. The root cannot penetrate the rock. They come to Christ for personal benefit. And when it's taken away, they depart. They are only trusting in their religious experience and emotion, but they really have no true spiritual root. And the Bible says immediately they fall away. This is interesting, okay? What's happening is that they immediately spring up with joy and they say they're a Christian. But when they are tested, they fall away. This is very interesting. What Christ is saying is, you could have someone claim Christ, get baptized, become a member, serve in the church for a very long time. But when the testing comes, see, you could stay and you could hide in a local church for many, many years. But when the testing comes, when the testing comes, they are revealed. And what's the testing? The testing says the affliction or persecution. Now, these are not the normal troubles of life. This is not simply, you know, a hard time. I, I, I don't have my finances or I'm having a difficult time or anything like that. This is when it says, notice, the affliction or the persecution which arise, what? Because of the word. What Christ says. What Christ calls for. This is when the person finally sees when Christ, following Christ, the pavement is too high for me, Christ. When Christ says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Or if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. The you say in your mind, you, that person is making an evaluation. That pavement is too high. It is hyperbole that Christ is saying you do whatever it takes to remove the temptation out of sin. But you see, when you call folks to this discipleship that Christ asks, then they say, no, you're too legalistic. You're too demanding. You're lording it over me. When Christ is calling you to give it all for him. They leave because of his word. His word. The word is fall away, which means they stumble, they fall. What happens is their friends, their classmates, their co-workers, their employers, their teammates, they insult him for his faith in Christ. He compromises and then he can't resist. Everyone else is looking at me like I'm a fool. I can't resist. He becomes ashamed of the Christ that he once received with joy. And he told everyone. then the false profession is exposed. See, the true profession is a conviction of sin, a desire to remove sin and pursue the word, love for his people, God's people, and a desire to be with his people, a willingness to suffer for Christ. And if these things are not there, then let me tell you, if these things are not there in your life, it's only a matter of time. The only thing that will hold you is Christ himself. Are you rooted in Christ, brothers and sisters? Persecution of the false believer. This is interesting. Persecution of the false believer causes them to wither. 
persecution of the true believer makes him stronger. That's amazing. Remember uh, what Timothy says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So here's the third unbelieving reaction is temporary worldly acceptance. This is the thorns, okay? Verse 7, others fell among the thorns and the thorns came up and choked them. And Jesus then explains in verse 22, and the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. This is a preoccupation with riches or career or financial security. The, the verse says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The Bible says that, he says here, and the deceitfulness of wealth. The deceitfulness because it promises that you can get true satisfaction if I have this job, if I have this education, if I have this kind of money, if I have this in my 401k, if I have this kind of investment. All of those things, they promise you that you will be happy. And in the end, it's actually lying to you. Luke actually, in this story, he adds this phrase, other things. So the other things could include sports and hobbies and relationships. All the while, not knowing that all that this person learned of the word of God is not becoming fruitful and it's showing. Someone who is continually occupied with money or status or fads, or fashions, or sports, or hobbies, or anything under the sun, but the Lord's work has a thorny heart. The person who refuses to let go of worldliness is one who does not have saving faith. And so sometimes Christians can be discouraged that they don't want to do anything. Well, Look at this. Jesus is telling me. Why should I do anything? Sometimes you have a cynical, judgmental attitude too. And in fact, the next person who walks in the door, you're going to go, Thorny, Sony, Road. That is not how you apply this text. Brothers and sisters, that is not. Don't become callous. Be soft to the things of Christ. Love, love again and again and again and again and again and again. Don't stop loving and praying. You give people the benefit of the doubt until you cannot anymore. Do you understand? You believe the best of them until you, they, you cannot anymore. And how do you know? Because you can't see their hearts. And the only thing that shows up is their words and their actions. That's all you got, brothers and sisters. And so you let this play out. This is why Christ, in the same book, in the same book, brothers and sisters, this is why Christ gives us church discipline. You understand? You give someone the benefit of the doubt and you chase them and you love them and you pursue them as much as you can. You understand? And you let it play out. And you let God be God. You understand? Spurgeon, sometimes you don't want to do anything as a Christian, but Spurgeon said it this way. Mark his words. He says, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. 
And if they perish, let them perish with their arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let no one go unwarned or and unprayed for. Don't be calloused, brothers and sisters. You love again and you pray again and you plead again. You understand. Now you have this response of belief. This response of belief that Jesus says that when you cast the seeds, you're going to have these responses. Three of unbelief, one of belief, and this is true saving faith. And you don't know what these people look like, brothers and sisters. They don't have E for elect on the back of their heads. They don't look more spiritual. In fact, they usually look more messed up, less equipped, less abled. And that's the one God does save. Verse 8 says, And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And Jesus explains later, On the one in whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Every Christian who is saved will bear fruit. Amen. What is this fruit? It's the fruit of character. He loved joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Galatians 5. It's the fruit of righteousness, Philippians 1 says. The fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It's the fruit of ministry, John chapter 15 says. My father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. It's the fruit multiplying. Notice that the, what he says in that they bear much fruit. He says, hundredfold, sixty and thirty. Usually, the fruit that is born is really just one to eight, really. But this is, gives us astronomical numbers, and what Jesus is saying is, he will multiply it beyond what you absolutely think. It's 10,000%, 6,000%, 3,000% increase. It is when you make that investment. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2, and you entrust these things to faithful men. They're able to teach others and then they multiply it. You make the investment that no one sees. You pour your life and your doctrine into someone when no one sees. And God blesses it. And somehow the word grips that person's heart. And they turn around and want to serve Christ themselves. This is the way of the kingdom, brothers and sisters. I saw this other video about 23 years ago. It was a promo for Bible school. There was a Arch and his wife Eileen Arch is Mike Begalso's brother. And then there I saw, I saw, I saw this, this quick, screen and we were cracking up we were at Jason's house 
I saw Nelson. And I saw Jason with hair. Lots of hair. So much hair, Barbie says, that can't be Jason. <laughs> we were laughing. And I saw Andre there. Looks the same. <laughs> Drive me nuts, right? And I saw Mike in the back over there. And they were studying. And no one knew what was happening. We didn't know. Remember, Mike, we were just going to school. We just wanted to learn about Christ. Someone was investing in us. And then we planted a church together. We didn't know this would happen. Who knew? Who knew? Nelson's our treasure. Mike's our bass player. <laughs> Who knew this stuff? Right? Trade leads worship. And you see, I, I, and I'm looking across, and I'm listening to Jason teach my home fellowship group, and I'm saying, this is how you multiply God. This is what you do. This is what you do. So in summation, the road, the road tells us, this is what Jesus says, that all those who reject the gospel are condemned to an eternity in hell. That's what the road means. The Rocky says, many who have an emotional response to the gospel will be revealed to not having saving faith. That's what the Rocky Road tells us. The Rocky Soil. The thorny soil tells us other false professions of faith will be revealed by untimely abandoning of Christ and chasing the world. But the good soil, there's the soil. The good soil. All those who have truly trusted in Christ and repented of their sins will bear spiritual fruit to varying degrees and will persevere to the end. Notice, they all bear fruit, it's just varying degrees. What, de to, what determines that? Your commitment and your obedience to Christ. That's really what it is. Your commitment and your obedience and your discipline to Christ. So Christian, you have to know this. So you will not be naive, you will not be discouraged. And you think that only positive responses to the gospel is going to happen. That's not true. Don't be discouraged. The preparation of the soil is not up to you. It's not up to you. A negative, listen to me, saint. Listen to me, okay? A negative response is not because you did it wrong, okay? It's not because you failed in evangelism or outreach because someone rejects the gospel now. It's not because you didn't fail if someone played church for a few years and rejects the gospel later, okay? You didn't fail. Jesus said, be prepared, that's going to happen. You didn't fail, the positive response of true salvation is not up to you. It is, who, it is Christ who saves and grants fruit, not you. Lastly, entrust the reception of the gospel to the Lord. He says in verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Later on in verse 11, we, have, we don't have much to talk, uh, time to talk about the kingdom. But Jesus explains that it is a gift, it is a blessing, and it is a privilege. Verse 11 
to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And what he's saying is the mysteries is not like a novel where we kind of figure out who done it or something like that. The mystery is it is unrevealed in the Old Testament, now revealed in the New Testament. You know who this Christ is. They could not see who he was. They saw the Messiah in little short form. They, didn't, they only saw shadows of him, the Old Testament saints. But now God has said, you who have good soil of, your, of the hearts, it's because God let you know. He gave it to you. He granted the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It's a blessing, because, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. It's a privilege. He says, for truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and do not see it and to hear what you hear and do not hear it. God did that in your life. You know, the fa- you know the truth. The only thing that keeps you is Christ. The only thing that separates you is Christ. He has granted it to you. So in those around you, don't give up, brothers and sisters. Those who have turned away, don't give up. Stony hearts. Hearts that are by the road. Hearts that are thorny, don't give up. I've seen folks who had, who had hard hearts. Years later, the Spirit of the Lord plowed it, made it soft. I've seen hearts with rocky ground where they sprung up and then they parted from Christ and God broke up that bedrock. I have seen, I have seen folks who have chased the world and then repented and said, only you are the greatest treasure, Christ. Why did I leave? And when they come back, I don't kick them. I remind them of the grace that Christ gave me and you. And you remind them of his love. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for teaching us. Help us not to be discouraged in the work. Thank you that you multiply. You multiply. Oh, God. Oh, God. Pursue those who have chased their own way. Plow, plow the, pull out the thorns. Plow the bedrock, God. Do your work. Bless our meeting. Help us to sing in Jesus' name. Amen.